The following shiur has been presented by Rabbi Yehoshua Sova, Rabbi of Kehillat Shari Ezra, Miami Beach, Florida. For more shiurim or information, please visit vshc.org or call 1-844-200-TSHC. That's 1-844-200-8742. Mezrat Hashem, in this week's parasha, Parashat Mitzvah, we will discuss the idea of the korban that the Mitzvah would bring, amongst other korbanot that he brought, specifically that of the tzipor, that of this bird that he would capture, and he would do something very interesting. The Pasuk tells us in Perik Yodale, Pasuk Zayin, V'shilach et ha-tzipor al pene ha-sadeh, and you will send out the bird to go on the face of the sadeh. The Chizkuni tells us that the reason why HaKadosh Baruch Hu made that you have to send away the bird, what is that? He says it's a symbolic gesture to show, just like till now, this mitzvah, he had to be more or less bound at home. He couldn't go anywhere. As a midah connected midah, for him causing a perud, for causing a separation between him and all the people around him, by saying Lashon Hara. So therefore, midah connected midah, we say that this mitzvah has to go away from humanity to sort of mull about the decisions that he made and why he did what he did, he or she did. And... We say that, says the Chizkuni, that bringing the Tzipor, and we all know the famous Midrash, why a Tzipor, why specifically a bird, because the bird likes to chatter, and we always find that ironic that one of the mediums of communication that many people use is Twitter, which is that of a bird. And literally, mamash, <laughs> some things don't change. You see, people, have, their lives and reputations have been destroyed, and uh, friendships have been uh, altered, all because people uh, have been using these mediums, and the, the, the logo of that is actually a bird. So the Midrash tells us that just like a bird loves to chatter and loves to say different things, so too this Mitzvah had this unfortunate example that just like to speak about different things and destroy people's lives. So we say that one of the korbanot that this person has to bring is that of a tzipor, and also he had to take a tzipor, and he had to hold it, and then let it go, and let it fly away. Says the Chizkuni, because... This symbolic gesture showed, just like you, Mitzvah, were bound, you couldn't go anywhere, now we're letting you go free. Now you could go, go free, and as you go free, you're going to be now a different person. The question is, this symbolic gesture, why is that specifically by a Mitzvah? He learned already that the fact that he has to bring a special bird offering, and they gave him the taglachat, they had to shave his head. It was a very humiliating experience to go through that. So he got a different korban that he had to bring. Why does he have to take a bird and now let it go? What does that even mean? Or if anything, let, let an animal, why specifically a bird? So we wanted to say, based on the Gemara and Chulin, the Gemara tells us that birds have a very unique attribute, which is that if you look at all birds, their legs all have a lot of scales whether they are kosher or not kosher. All birds have very scaly legs. Why, says Gemara? Because birds are nivra minapekak. The birds were created from the mud. Animals were created, it sounds like, from an essence of the Adama. The fish were created from the yamin, from the mayim. It was created from some essence of the water. But birds are a hybrid between both species. They're not fully land, and they're not fully water. 
And how do we see that? We see that from the feet, that the feet look like they are part of the, the kingdom of that of the fish of the sea, and therefore that's why they have scales on their feet. So what do you see? A bird is a hybrid. So what are we trying to say? We were thinking maybe the Torah is telling us a very powerful siman a very powerful idea, which is that you have to know that people are not necessarily black or white. They're not a complete mammal, and they're not a complete fish. They sometimes could be both. And sometimes they're stirot, and sometimes they're things that don't make sense. You could have people who are fabulously wealthy, but they're not that smart. Or people that are very smart, but they're not successful. It's a stira. How could that be? The answer is, it doesn't have to make any sense. And you have to recognize that. How do you recognize that? You take this tzipor, this bird, and you hold on to it, and you look at it, and you say, this person I said, I'm a bird? One second, I'm letting it go. Just like I could see in this bird that it is a hybrid, I also have to recognize that human beings are hybrids too. And therefore... I let it go, v'shilach, I send it away, and it goes al sadeh. It goes on the field, just like a field. It's open. There are many things that you could plant in a field. You could plant wheat, you could plant barley, you could make houses, you could make beta kvarot, you could make anything. It's, the, the, the possibilities are literally endless for what a person can do al sadeh. And a person has to realize that a human being also has that potential too. Just because you decided a person was a certain way and you pigeonhole them into saying that this is who they are, you have to realize that there's a whole totality of a person. And that's why it's so important that when it comes now to the end process of him becoming a cleansed mitzorah, he's not a mitzorah anymore, he has to dafka, send away this bird, like the Gemara tells us, afilu me'apamim, v'shilach means afilu me'apamim, you have to multiply, you have to send it, it keeps coming back to you, you have to keep sending it, till it stays out, to show that just like there's potential in every human being, I should recognize that potential as well, in every human being as well. What you see from here, is that, when it comes to, specifically, this idea of a bird, a bird has this potential, of it being an animal or a species, that is not something that we necessarily can relate to. It's actually something that is very powerful and something that in our everyday lives, we could see that it's something that is a very powerful thing. I'd like to share with you something that a good friend of mine, Rabbi Huda Spitz, in his book, Sefer Iyunim Ba'alacha in Ilchot Amazon, he has fantastic shiurim on different items of food. And in these different items of food that he talks about, one of the things that he fascinatingly talks about is a discussion when it comes to making chamin on Shabbat. And there is a, a very big machloket about the following question. We all know that when it comes to Elchot Shabbat, one of the things that we have to be obviously very careful, but there's only one of the 39 melachot that the Torah goes out of its way to tell you when it says, don't do any creative work that demonstrates mastery over the item. That's what melacha means as opposed to avodah. Avodah, Dain Grunfeld says in his Sefer Shabbat, he says that melacha is mastery over an item, showing I'm the Baal, I'm the one that creates. Avodah is the actual menial labor. So imagine you explain to somebody, oh, on Shabbat, I'm not allowed to turn a light on, flick a light with just my finger, but I can move a very heavy couch from one area of the room to the other. Person will look at you like you're nuts. Like, what are you talking about? Like, well, why is one 
one looks more strenuous than the other. The answer is not, it's not, it has nothing to do with strenuous labor. It has to do with mastery over something to show that you are the master. And that's what Shabbat shows. It's not us. It's Borei Olam. It's HaKadosh Baruch Hu. So there is, of the 39 Melachot, there's only one that goes out, the Torah goes out of its way to say, don't do this. And that is, Lo Esh Do not make a fire in your encampment on the day of Shabbat. Machlokan in the Gemara, is it lelav yatata? Is it to tell me a specific, another love? If a person makes havara, makes a fire, it's an additional love that the Torah says, lo taseh melacha, don't do melacha, and also don't make a fire. Or it's lechalek yatata, it's coming to tell me that it's a different halacha, it totally, in other words, why did the Torah go out of its way to tell me that? Be that as it may, you see that when it comes to havara, when it comes to be making a fire, that's a very serious, very serious endeavor when it comes to Shabbat. So one of the things that are included in that is Bishul, cooking for Shabbat. We know that Tzedukim, the people who were Doresh, Torah, Shebetah, Kibshuto, when it says, When it says, you will not make a fire on Shabbat, that means, even if the fire was pre-made before Shabbat, you cannot have any Hana, no benefit whatsoever. You have to be in a dark room with cold food. That is what the Torah tells us. And we say, no, we dafka eat Chamin, or the French version, but most people don't know, they don't realize that, is cholant. Cholant means slow cooked. Basically, slow cooked meal. And that's what cholant, cholant is. Cholant is, or chamin, it's hot food. We're eating that, l'chvot Shabbat, for us to demonstrate that we're not like the tzedukim. We actually show that you're allowed to have a fire on Shabbat. There are many items that people don't even realize are included in what's called bishul. There's something called megis, which is when you stir the pot while it's still on the fire, you're giving an element of bishul to the item that is still being cooked. And that is a sur for a person to do that. People don't realize that. You have to pick up the pot from the source of heat. And there's the laws of shia v'chazara, that you leave it out and you're holding on to it. Daitol you have to have in mind that you're going to put it back. You can't put it in a place that it looks like you're going to be taking it away permanently. It has to be like in a very precarious Semi-precarious, obviously you don't want to make a sakana, a danger, but it has to be a semi-precarious situation that you're obviously going to be putting it back eventually and you're holding on to it while you're dishing out the food and then you put it back. And again, it has to be cooked. What's cooked? Machloket, machoben derusoy, which is at least a third, or it has to be fully cooked. But the point is, it has to be bishul, it has to be nitpashel, it has to be cooked. So there was a question which was asked with the following question. The question went like this. Chicken. Chicken that's put in chamin, what is the halachic status of such an item? Now you're going to say, well, what's the question? Why should chicken be even a question? So, my friend Rabbi Spitz, he brings down that chicken actually is a huge discussion. And the reason why it's a very big question is because chicken can cook very quickly. It's an item that can cook super fast. And since it can cook very quickly... You will have, you'll have a question of how fast is fast. Meaning like this. Let's say you know it's a very big pot of chamin, and you know, based on whatever the calculations that you have, for it to get cooked at least a third, uh, it takes, let's say, 20 minutes. That's, I'm just I'm saying, you're putting on full blast, 20 minutes. And then you obviously make it a little less. So the question now we have is, using, let's say, chicken bones, would the chicken bones that the person put in there, would it would it be something that we would say that these chicken bones have less time for it to be cooked and people will eat it the way it is or not? Meaning, a third of a cook of a chicken bone, which is less time, obviously, 
is that something that we consider it to be cooked in the eyes of halacha or not? So he brought a machloket in the poskim, in Ashkenazim at least, that there's a machloket between that of Rev. Moshe Feinstein and Rev. Shlomo Zalman Arbach. Rev. Moshe Feinstein was of the opinion that this item that is being cooked, he wanted to say, he said, if it's not fully cooked with a, chick, a chicken bone that's not fully cooked, is inedible. And therefore, you have, to, you have to wait until it's fully cooked. The only time we say something has to be fully cooked is meat or something like that in that order. People like it rare or they like meat a certain way. But chicken not to be fully cooked, or Moshe Feinstein says, unheard of, and therefore, you have to wait until it's actually fully cooked. Rav Shlomo Arbach, however, he argues, and he says, what do you mean? He says, people in Israel, they eat uh, things on the fly. And if it's something that is, let's say, cooked a third, it's totally fine. What's the big deal? So Rav Moshe Feinstein and Rav Shlomo Arbach, they argue about whether or not chicken has to be fully cooked or it's enough to be cooked a third or not. Now you're going to say, well, when is, when is this relevant? It's very relevant. If let's say a person's power goes out, or uh, the person didn't realize they had enough, uh, they had enough uh, time, and uh, they they really cranked it up a few moments before and now they want to know: Are they allowed to eat this or not? Over the course of Shabbat, so it's very relevant. That's for Ashkenazim. It's, this machlokim, but Baruch Hashem, we have that that Chamovadia in his sefer. He brings down that as long as it's cooked, it's cooked. And he wants to say that if it's on a covered flame, if it's on the plata, it's 100% fine. We call it garuf katum, meaning that the coals in the ovens were pushed to the side and covered up. And the fact that it's a plata is a very unique way of cooking. That's considered mechuseh, it's covered over. And it's, it's totally fine for a person to eat that. And uh, we say that the practice is that Based on the Rambam, he says that once the chamin is fully cooked, uh, scooping out the pot within it is is not even considered megis, which is you're stirring the pot for it to be a problem, and it'll be a hundred percent okay for a person to eat from this item. What's very fascinating about this is that the ben the chametzion, excuse me, the ben ishcha and the chametzion, they say that the time that if a person wants to take it out and be megis. It could only be litzorach mitzvah. That you could take off the fire out, you could take it off the fire and ladle it out if it's quote unquote cooked. And, uh, interestingly, the Tzitz Eliezer says, if Yeshiva Bachurim, they sneak into the kitchen, and, what do you want to call that? A mitzvah, that uh, sneaking and taking from Yeshiva's food. He's, uh, the Tzitz Eliezer maintains that that's called litzorach mitzvah, because why else is a Bachur trying to eat chamin on Shabbat, on Friday night? It's obviously to have more koch, more energy to learn, and that's considered Tzorach Mitzvah. And Hamovadia says that, he wants to add even more than that, he wants to say, in Yavia Omer, he said that if a person did that, in other words, they went to the kitchen and they were taking food in order to save time to hurry back to the learning, that even the Ben Ishkai would consider that Tzorach Mitzvah, that we would say that you could even take it Mamash ala Esh, Mamash on the fire. While it's still on the fire, you could totally take that out and it could be considered uh, 100% fine. It's a mitzvah for a person to do that. And again, we see that we're mekel, we're much more lenient when it comes to this in regards to not being a problem of megis. What we thought was quite fascinating between this mechel, between Rav Moshe Feinstein and Rav Shlomo Zaman Arbach, was that 
this actually of it, understanding is it considered a, a, a chicken? Is it considered fully cooked, not fully cooked? What's the discussion? The discussion is the following. Ramesha Feinstein emigrated from Russia to America. So a lot of the things that he understood were how Americans eat food. And Ramesha Feinstein, I guess he would ask around and ask people, would you eat chicken based like this? And Rishon Mazamin Arbach was Yerushalmi. He lived in Eretz his whole life. And for him, he probably asked around and said, would you eat chicken based on this? So it's really a machloket in mitziot, which is, what do the people eat? In other words, what's called fully cooked? It's always fascinating to us how a number of years ago, before the sushi explosion came onto the scene, and you would have told people a number of years ago that people would be eating raw fish <laughs> covered in rice and vegetables and different wasabi sauces or different items. People think you're out of your mind. You're crazy. That's the Japanese. They eat that. What does that have to do with us? But it became normative eating now for many people that they'll eat sushi or pizza, Italian food. Somebody told me that they find it very fascinating that in any pizza shop, obviously it's not kosher, around the world, they do not serve french fries with their pizza. And they tell us to most Jews, they think it's absolute kfira, absolute heresy. And uh, they even say, how do you know a juxtaposition in Minatara? From Italy and, and, and France. The fact that you serve Italian pizza next to french fries, that shows you that they share neighbor, neighbors and you see that that's a, a real serious thing. But all joking aside, the fact of the matter is, is that ha- when it comes to food, it's a very serious item and it depends where you are from and what is normative behavior and what people consider is a normal thing to eat with this item. So over here, Rav Moshe Feinstein and Rav Shem Zaman Aruch, they have an argument about the chicken. Is this considered normative behavior for people to eat chicken like that? And we found that fascinating because there's another case that they argue about applying, putting ketchup into hot Chamin on Shabbat. Is that considered a problem of Bishul or not? What's the discussion? Rabbi Moshe Feinstein says that putting Cholent, the Cholent, he says, putting the Cholent with, which is a Davar Gush, which is like a hot solid, next to another Davar Gush, which is another solid, that's the key word, another solid, it's cold, he says that that is considered okay, even though you're mixing the two together, that's fine, because it's two solids together. Hashem is Amin Arbach argues says, solid, what are you talking about? You're taking a hot item and you're mixing a liquid of ketchup. So, is ketchup a solid or is it a liquid? The answer is, it depends. If you're talking about an American brand, Heinz Ketchup, which was known for many years before they got smart and started making it a bottle that you could be, squeeze it to get it out quicker. But till then, you could ask anyone, Heinz Ketchup used to have all these ads extolling the virtues of that it was a glass bottle and good things come uh, uh, come slowly. They used to be very proud of the fact that their ketchup was very thick and took a very long time until it came out of the bottle. So Ramesh Shafaisi was looking at ketchup. Probably someone probably gave him a bottle of Heinz ketchup and he saw it and he probably flipped it over and saw it took a very long time. So this is clearly a solid <laughs> meeting another solid. However, Arbach, he was probably presented a bottle of ketchup and the Israeli ketchups are very liquidy. You can see it yourself. You turn it up and it comes out. Literally, it's almost like, it's almost like a, 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 like a, a tomato, tomato drink. Kemat. It's almost like that. So you see that it depends on mitziot. It depends on what it is. Is this considered a devil, this, something which is a solid or a liquid? It depends where you're coming from. 
And clearly, Hamavadia did not ascribe to that. Hamitzion also, as well, Ben Yishchai, they say that it's considered 100% cooked. Again, you see that, uh, again, mitzviot of how people approach things is you have to understand where they're coming from and why they understand what it is. Once you understand this, you see this law with chickens, you see that this idea of chicken is a different set of rules. It's not like meat because, you see, meat it takes a certain amount of time. When it comes to chicken, ah, different set of circumstances. Maybe it's different. And just like the mitzvah understood that a a chicken or a bird has a different mitziyut. The same thing also over here that we're going to say that this bird, when it comes to the chamin as well, has a different mitziyut also. And therefore, we have to recognize that when it comes to this halakha of bishul, it actually plays a very relevant relevant set of circumstances when it comes to these laws, specifically when it relates to having of, having bird, having chicken inside one's chamin for Shabbat. This audio series has been brought to you by the Sephardic Halakha Center. The center is committed to advancing research and application of halakha in the Sephardic community nationwide. For a halakha consultation, monetary bedin services, to order this series or to sign up to receive the Sephardic Halakha Journal, or for all other information, please call one 200 T-S-H-C or email info at the shc.org to subscribe.